So, Stephen, tell hey. us, why are all Ravenclaws assholes? <laughs> uh, well, I think there's that thing about being the erudite group. Even if you don't know something, you're going to pretend like you know until you talk people into it. And it just makes you come off like a jerk. This is why I don't believe Dan Hunsaker is a Gryffindor because he's a Ravenclaw. <laughs> so harsh. So harsh. You already spilled the tea in the first, like, three minutes. Dan's not even here to defend himself. Listen, if Dan listens to this episode and wants to come for me, that's fair. And we'll have a discussion. Yeah, maybe we'll let him be a guest. Perhaps. Perhaps. Speaking of, we have a special guest. Stephen Ostertag is here. Yay. Who had the audacity to come dressed as David Rose in front of me. You're welcome. How's it going? It's going good. Listening to podcasts is what's getting me through this ridiculous time. (sighs) Fucking pandemic. It's getting less ridiculous, but it's still ridiculous. I've managed to start a bunch of new podcasts and catch up on all their backlog because that's literally all I do. The ones like this one, where I'm like eagerly waiting for new episodes, <laughs> I get really disgruntled when Tara's even like a few hours late. I'm it like, me. I have nothing to do <laughs> until you load this podcast. Don't toy with my life. We had a pod bean issue, too. I had, like, three episodes in a row scheduled, and they didn't work, so I have to now do it again just on my own, which sucks. That's what you get for having your shit together. Speaking of, we're actually not drinking wine today. Something is wrong in the universe. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, literally lunchtime on a Sunday. Yeah, so we're drinking coffee. But don't worry, I drank (laughs) a lot of wine last night. <laughs> During her performance in Clue. <laughs> uh, sadly, afterward, I don't have time to fucking do anything in Clue except for run her like a psychopath. Yeah, that's right. Oh that God. could be a real martini. <laughs> it should be. Perhaps it will be next week. Who's going to stop you? I mean, really. <laughs> that's right. There's no stage manager to make sure that you're not. I am my own stage manager. So today we are discussing a chapter from this book. Chapter 23, <laughs> The Yule Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got to do a winner loser from chapter 22. The loser of chapter 22, if no one is surprised, is Ron. Yeah. Wait <laughs> For a minute, hold on, what happened last time? fucking assuming that things are just going to go his way. Oh yeah, it's teenagers. Yeah, That's teenagers. Right. The winner of chapter 22... I'm giving it to Neville for just being a friend who asks his friend to go to the Yule Ball with him and who doesn't fucking fall apart when she says no because she got a date. He asks someone else and he finds what he needs and I'm like, good for you, Neville. Instead of being a dramatic hoe. He's kind of the one that you would expect to be most awkward. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's the one who handles it the most gracefully. He really does. It's so simple and basic and kind of what we need there because there's so much drama surrounding everything else. Mm. The simple and basic reaction gets the win in the simple and basic chapter. (laughs) I was looking at my notes like, oh, here's the thing I'm going to read. Nope. (laughs) Wrong. So read that thing. All right. Chapter 23, The Yule Ball. It's Christmas times at Hogwarts. You'd think it would be a time to relax, but Harry is on guard because Fred and George keep trying to get cream in people's mouths. It seems their spiked candies are evolving. Fleur is being a French stereotype through this entire book, and Malfoy is still just being a dick. 
Apparently, Hermione has some dental work done, which nobody noticed, because apparently no one looks at her while she's talking. We get to watch Ron abuse his owl in front of some first-year girls, and we get a <coughs> note from Sirius with the ever-helpful advice, Don't relax! <laughs> Hermione suggests that Harry might want to put a little effort into solving his egg riddle, but naturally the boys do not take that advice. On Christmas morning, Harry is woken up horror movie style by a couple of giant eyes, peering into his own, and we get a visit from fashion maven Dobby. Dobby unexpectedly knitted Harry some socks, and in return, Harry gave Dobby some third-hand socks, which once graced Uncle Vernon's hooves. Gross, Harry. Ron gives Dobby all the knit goods. Quen <coughs> Molly made him, and he used the proper spelling of Quen. Of course he did. Well done. Thanks. And went ahead and started opening Harry's gifts, too. Christmas feast followed with an afternoon snowball fight, and then it was time to prepare for the Yule Ball. The boys get into their dress robes, and Ron is once again reminded that he is the sixth boy in a middle-class family. Never forget, Ron, you poor! <laughs> Everyone heads down to the Great Hall, where we learn a romantic fairy garden has been conjured in the courtyard. Hermione arrives, but nobody knows it's her because, I don't know, she parted her hair different, or maybe she took off her glasses? Harry must process into the hall with the other champions and lead the first dance, but once that's done, he let Parvati know he's a terrible date. Ron takes an opportunity to ruin Hermione's night and be a xenophobic asshat at the same time. Efficient. And Percy visits for a good brag. Once their dates have given up on them, Harry and Ron take a romantic walk in the garden to listen to other people talk and fool around. <laughs> Students are trying to get it on in the bushes, and I'm fairly certain Roger Davies was roofied <laughs> by Fleur. <laughs> I like that. We get to witness Snape and Karkaroff being sketchy and watch Hagrid crash and burn the, his moment with Madame Maxine. Cedric suggests Harry take off his clothes and play with his egg in the tub before leaving to snog Cho. The night culminates with a shouting match between Ron and Hermione where the first real evidence of the future romance start to show. Because that's all that is. People fighting. <laughs> so many Ooh. feelings. Oh. This house is filled with single people. <laughs> <laughs> Egg. <laughs> I don't know why. The word egg to me is just so funny, too. So, egg being dicks, you know. <laughs> this is a meaty chapter. Oh, my goodness. It's still filled with hormones, but there's more meat. Starting off, I don't know what happens right at the beginning of the chapter, but first thing I have to talk about is the dental work that you mentioned in your thing. Because I'm like, how fucking clever. That's amazing. I was like, you take this terrible thing that happened to you, and you make an omelet out of eggs. Good for her. She is treated like so much shit in this book. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I did this thing for myself. Yes. Go, girl. She's constantly getting crapped on mm -hmm. and then turns around and does wonderful things. The one area where that might not be so true and we're still in the middle of it is, uh, I was about to call it swag. Uh, swag. Society. Spew. 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 Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the first word is society. I know that much. Wow. See, I didn't have my go-go juice. That's, I know. That's the problem. This is the problem we need to drink. So, of course, that is maybe a little bit of a low point, which we talked at length somewhat already about. Anyways, Hermione fixes her teeth. It's beautiful. She's you can great. tell that it was not for anyone else because it happened a while ago and nobody noticed yeah. and she didn't say anything. Oh. She's just enjoying the moment when people finally do notice. Yeah. That's a good point, too. And I like that. She's fucking great. Absolutely. Soon after that, we get another note from Sirius. Yes, because 
Pigwidgeon Jim comes back and he's showing off and Ron's pissy and I'm like, let Pigwidgeon Jim be a cute little owl. He's right? proud of his thing that he did. He is doing work that much bigger owls are doing and he's so <laughs> proud of himself. And he managed to find you in this castle. He didn't come deliver it to like breakfast or something. Right. But he found you in some <clears throat> random stairwell. Yeah. That's good. Going it is above good. and beyond. Remember when Harry put the huge letter and it was yeah. like him down? This letter had the word conjunctivitis on it. So you know that it was probably a heavy letter too. <laughs> but conjunctivitis term, that's totally what we were talking about in a previous episode. If you recall, Siri said something like a simple charm. And we were talking about like, what could, could that have been if it was an Akio? This, this is where he says what it was. And that's mm-hmm. what motherfucker used. Crumb. Crumb, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Come, I mean crumb. <laughs> that's also from the previous episode. <laughs> and it's good that we like learned that information from <clears throat> what he meant previously. He's like, don't get comfortable. Things are just going to get worse, bitch. Yeah. This deal with Dobby waking Harry up on Christmas morning. If you are not a parent, you cannot fully understand the horror <laughs> of... Opening your eyes, and there's just another face, inches away from your face, staring at you, motionless. It's happened to me too many times. It's terrifying every single time. Children will do this, and they'll just stare at you for a second after you wake up, and then start talking as if you've just been in conversation. (laughs) I mean, it's so disturbing. We do have cats, but they don't speak English. Oh, it's I, I feel like my cat is not nearly as terrifying as this would be. <laughs> what language does your cat speak? I don't even know. You're a sarcastic asshole. Like, I don't know. He's, Sounds about right. He's kind of a dick. That is a really good point. I did not even think of that parallel of children waking up on Christmas. <laughs> oh, hi, Dobby. <laughs> and it's Dobby isn't even like, hey, I want to open some presents. He's like, I got some presents for you. Yeah. And oh, then so there is this very gay exchange of socks ridiculous so good he reaches into his trunk and he grabs these crusty old socks and he's like these used to belong to vernon i'm like sure they did (laughs) (laughs) that's what you did with them you wrapped around your dick and then threw them into your your thing and now dobby has like what's dobby Uh, gonna do with those turning them into a brooch or something because he's not gonna be able to put them on his feet and the description of the socks doesn't even help harry out in this moment It's like, they're described as the most disgusting exactly. socks you've ever encountered. Exactly. Like, dude, so bad. <laughs> Dobby's like, yeah, I love this. We're like, oh, Dobby, come on. Wow, these are great. At the end of Chamber of Secrets, it says something about how the sock is slimy. There's something wrong with your foot hygiene. Or you're using socks for dual purposes. Ugh. And nobody wants that. <laughs> so bad. And so he's like, here's some socks. And Dobby's like, oh my god, what a surprise. I fucking love socks. Okay, Dobby. I love socks so much I gave you socks too. And and then Ron's shade of like, oh yeah, I gave you socks too. (laughs) No, you didn't. All the knitted things. (laughs) He did promise him the sweater. There is the moment where Dobby is a little bit overwhelmed. While I'm sure he's excited, I'm sure it's also like, oh my god, I did not expect this. Now I have all this extra clothes. What am I going to do with myself? Yeah. Right. And then everybody else wakes up. They're like, oh, there's a house elf here. Oh my god, it's Christmas morning. Everyone's like, Christmas time! Yeah. I do like the fact that it's Christmas morning and everybody is there. Yeah. Like, that's obviously something. And very special. 
Oh, one more thing before we move away from the socks. <laughs> because if <laughs> there are all of these socks, the crusty-ass sock was around the pockets and just ago. I think it's interesting that that's brought up. Because we did have the one chapter where we saw all of Moody's kind of contraptions. So I don't know if that's necessarily like a little hint or clue or whatever. But it's interesting that it was brought up, perhaps. Right, because the Snakescope will come up at mm-hmm. the end of the book. Not his, but... Yeah. I think this is the last book where we get to hear what the Dursleys give Harry for Christmas. And it was what, a tissue? A tissue. <clears throat> well, he could have used that instead of the sock. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have been a better thing to use instead of the sock. <laughs> One thing I thought when I read the thing about the tissue this time... There's that saying about indifference is worse than hate or something like that, where it's like, if you just don't care, that's worse. And I think it's funny that, like, the Dursleys are not smart enough Mm. to see that. Like, if they just fully ignored it, that could demoralize someone even more, because it's like, you didn't even think of me. This is like, you actually had to think about, what's the worst thing I can give you? Yeah, that's a really good point. That, to me, that would tell me, oh, they put a lot of thought into this. They were really trying. I almost wonder if Harry wouldn't care. Like, if he didn't get something from the Dursleys, he'd be like, well, fuck you too then. Yeah. That's a really good way to read into it. Clearly, the Dursleys are still thinking of Harry when he's away. They do not get it on such a level of not getting it. It's ridiculous. With the other gifts, though, I do gotta say, Hagrid came through. All those sweets and stuff. I thought that was a pretty good gift. Yeah. Hagrid's fucking great, always trying to remember what else he received so there was like the this book from Hermione in this letter with the dragon. and the pies like she she did yes. in the past I'm very confused about what dung bombs are but they sound terrible exactly are they like bath bombs I hope that it's something like that it sounds more like it's just like a stink bomb have at it here's a whole bag <laughs> who gave him this, the dung bombs Ron yeah that seems like something because Ron is so uncreative i mean it's also like par for the course for ron in this fucking chapter and then sirius gives him the pen knife oh that's the special attachments the the special attachments (laughs) like a swiss armor pen knife (laughs) yeah the dung bombs that's a good point and now if it were like a bath bomb i feel like it would be like oh i gotta poop and put it in the (laughs) toilet and then okay it's taken care of i mean that would be helpful (laughs) that would be great For real. I mean, there are times where it's like, when you're driving the car and you're like, oh my god, here we go. Just throw a dung bomb out the window. (laughs) Magically, you don't have to shit anymore. Perfect. We don't know what it is. I mean, I think that you're right, Steven. That is probably just like a stink bomb. So yeah, then it's time. Well, they do spend the rest of their day having snowball fight outside. Which I'm like, that sounds terrible. I think when you're a teenager, it sounds fun. But now it does sound terrible. It truly does now. I'm like... Like, There are a few times that I really identify with Hermione. In this one, I really identify because I was like, I never wanted to do snowball fights because I was terrified of being hit in the face. She's saving her moneymaker for the dance. I get it. I would do the same thing. (laughs) To the side, keep looking pretty. She's got to, like, paint herself, too. She doesn't want to, you know fuck up her skin or anything. Isn't this also where she heads back and she's like, I gotta get ready. And yeah. like, you need like three hours left. Yes. Do you not know anything about girls, Ron? Clearly he doesn't. Clearly not. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I feel like that's normal for like girls especially. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. maybe younger than being like, oh, there's a thing that I need to get ready for tonight. Taking the most amount of time. Mm-hmm. I also agree. I just can remember like snowball fights and that crusted snow feeling. Yeah. Not fun. 
when they are all getting ready, I really appreciate how it states that they are all very self-conscious about getting dressed because this is so awkward, you know, teenage boys going to the States. But of course, Ron is the most uncomfortable because he's got whatever the fuck it is that he's wearing. And yeah. Tessie's robes. That's probably from the movie. That is from yeah. the movie. But yeah, one of the other boys, I think it's Dean, is like, I don't understand how the fuck you guys got like the best looking girls in the class. And I'm like, so clearly the Patel twins are fucking yeah. hot stuff. Mm-hmm. How did they get the best looking girls in the class? Because they were like sleeping on it for so long. How did no one else ask these hot ass girls out? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Unless yeah. they were like pining for Harry and then Ron was just or if, or if they just dumped the guys that had asked them. Right? They probably just like... Oh, no, we're going with... Oh, we got the champion. champion. Sorry. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, Pavardi had like 16 dates lined yeah. up. Or me, one of Poor those... Poor Padma like, then, in that case. I, you know what, babe? I, I'm just saying. Padma likes girls, and she's like, you know what? I can't get away with that here. Everyone is straight as fuck. This is bullshit. That is crazy. Ain't nobody come out as bi yet. Because right. we know that there's all... We've ta- have talked about this so many times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a previous that. episode that I was going to be like, what if we just titled this episode, All the Weasleys Are Gay? How many people would you make I think that angry? they're all gay except for Ron. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to say except for Percy. I was going to be like, never. No, I... Clearly, after this chapter, movie. you know that Ron is straight as fuck. <laughs> he did not try anything in the garden. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you You're know how people champion, say like Ron, come on. Like if you're heterosexual it's fine, but don't be a straight person. Oh, that is the worst. <laughs> He's a straight person. He says no homo. <laughs> I also love the fact that the fat lady is already drunk. That was literally the next thing I had. We are all the fat lady. She woke up and was like, it's time to drink. That's right. Oh, we got candy with rum in them. (laughs) I love the fat lady and I support her being drunk. Hey, bye. Come on up here. Let's get lit. Well, so what the fuck does bye do? She doesn't do shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she probably doesn't have a job, so she keeps... Right. What's the fat lady's real name, by the way, so that we can stop side shaming her? Right. She don't want people to know. She like you call me that all you want. I don't know who I am. Vi has a name. Fat Amy from Pitch Perfect. Fat Amy. That's her name. (laughs) We may have asked people to name the fat lady before. (laughs) I think we did. If that hasn't aired by the point that we're recording this, and you sent us stuff, you're probably wrong because her name's (laughs) Fat Amy. You always got to mention when the fat lady is doing extra stuff because the movies leave Don French out of this. And again, this is totally something that Don French would do. And it would have been brilliant. It would have right. been amazing. Bring in fucking Jennifer Saunders' vibe. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. Can you imagine? So good. But instead, no. We, we got Filch running down the fucking corridor for five minutes. That's something that needed to be in this movie. <laughs> But not not fucking Dawn French being iconic. I fucking love her. So when they do go down to the dance, the decorations are popping off. Yes. They're not good enough for Flavelle Corps. No. (laughs) That's a little bit later, of course. This is amazing. Like, they turned the outside into, like, a fairy garden. Yeah. Very cool. It's beautiful. With fucking real living fairies being the decoration. Those fairies are probably pissed, but yeah. Hey, from years of doing that caroling group and being live decorations, I can understand what these fairies are going through. <laughs> I get it. I have also done that. <laughs> Yes. And then the inside of the Great Hall being all like snowy and stuff. We have to, of course, mention what McGonagall was dressed like. Didn't she have like a... She wreath? had red tartan on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some ridiculous wreath. 
sitting on her hat because, I don't know, they were playing ring toss after lunch. <laughs> um, this is um, how Scottish people dress. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole thing. was like, guess what, bitches? I'm Scottish, in case you couldn't tell by my last name. Yeah, right. Or my accent. I think Maggie Smith would have looked so pretty in some beautiful red yeah. crimson gown. Give like, her... Oh. It would have been great. You mean she looks great always, but yeah, that would have been awesome. I'm upset because it goes out of the way for Harry to notice how pretty the twins look. And then in the movie, man, I just really appreciate how Padma's like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Padma. Seriously. Rereading this book, I was like, did anyone get screwed over more than Padma in this whole fucking series? <laughs> so far, she's the first Ravenclaw we've met that we don't hate, besides Flitwick. Obviously. Joe. Right, we don't hate Cho. Mm-hmm. Next book, we get to meet the best Ravenclaw of all. Poor Padma. It's that, really true. That is sisterly love right there. Like, right? She her sister was like, we're doing this. And she's like, ugh, okay. Because Provardi is probably like, if you don't say yes to his fucking best friend, I'm not going to get to go with the fucking champion. Right? Like, you know, you know that's so Turn down all those other men that are coming after you. Right? Because we're the hottest girls in this class, but it doesn't matter. Because I'm going with fucking Harry Potter. Okay? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they keep on talking about Victor Crumb with mm-hmm. a very pretty girl that Harry had never seen before. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, it Hermione, bitch. It Hermione. You go, Hermione. That's all I have written down. Part of me is, is annoyed that Harry doesn't recognize her at first. Oh, absolutely. And part of me is like, that's not what he's thinking about because he's so distracted by everything else. And the fact that he does realize who she is on the second pass and like just how different, I'm like, I kind of get it. I'm still annoyed mm. with him. I'm especially annoyed with Ron for like literally not noticing it fucking all. This is Victor Crumb who you were obsessed with, wouldn't you be intrigued by who he's with? Yeah. I guess maybe that shows how much more Ron is in his own head. Which is so weird, because when you look at the stakes of it, you are right. Harry does have a lot of other things to think about. At least he's noticing things. I wish he had noticed it sooner. I think that nowhere ever in this series does it ever imply that Harry and Hermione are a thing and that they're attracted to each other. Which is why when Rita Skeeter talks about it, I really love their relationship. Like, I've said a hundred times, like, that's one of my favorite things about this series. This male-female relationship that has zero romance in it. This was just Harry continuing to not think about that. Because that's not how he thinks of Hermione, ever. They've always been like this. Another thing, too, is he's also fixated on show and... Cedric Cedric, yeah. He's jealous of Cedric. He wanted to come with Cho. And it's all this, like, teenage shit where they're discovering that they feel about these things, you know? At the same time, not to give Ron any credit because he doesn't deserve it, but he is probably fixated on Fleur and Roger Davies, another Ravenclaw who is in a complete douchebag in this book. We don't really give a shit about Roger Davies, but he doesn't seem to be a douchebag. Yeah, like, the number of times they bring up how, like, out of it he is, is so disturbing. I know! It's so date-rapey that he's just, he's clueless. He's just kind of floating next to her. (laughs) Harry is very clueless, too. We kind of talked through that, but you're totally right. Like, he's so fixated Harry's clueless because he's an idiot. Roger Davies is probably maybe being manipulated by all of the magic around Fleur. Yeah, yeah the, like, half-villainess. Yeah. yeah. 
when she is talking about all the decorations and how they're not good enough for her French assness. I think Fleur is fascinating in the regard of her being half Fila because she clearly has a very strong effect on certain people. Like she had a very strong effect on Ron, a very strong effect on Roger, obviously. But when they first introduce her, a lot of guys are interested in her, but not all of them. It doesn't seem like Harry has any sort of... And I think that there's one moment where he is thinking or narration wise she's turning her charm on cedric and it doesn't seem like cedric is terribly interested i don't think he's uninterested because he's a polite guy but i think that it's interesting because she clearly does not affect everyone it's not the same it's not the same but at the quidditch world cup remember that the adults who knew what was coming like uh, arthur was like no i don't pay attention to this and harry is affected by the villa but then he's less affected than ron i almost wonder if that has something to do with emotional maturity i think it's probably more of that and Not- self-awareness. Harry fixates on Cho and doesn't recognize all these other girls. The girl who asks him to go to the ball and he says no just completely out of shock. Because that's not how he's thinking. He's so fixated on this one person, this one thing that he thinks is what he wants or whatever. Uh, He doesn't notice that Ginny is a little put out when he says he asked out Cho. At 14, everyone is in a different place of emotional maturity. And I'm sure that that's a part of it. And just in general, emotions are brewing, hormones are brewing. To my own point, that also means that gay people are just more emotionally mature. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to... Which I'm sure we both know that is not the case by any So, that theory is... (laughs) It is nice to say. (laughs) Yeah, okay, thanks for saying that. It's true for the people in this house. (laughs) I mean, we don't know a lot about Roger. It's not to say that Roger isn't emotionally mature because we don't really know about his backstory, you know. Let's see. Oh, Percy's there. Speaking of gay people, and people who are not very emotionally mature, he can't stop talking about his own crush, Crouch, and now, oh, I got promoted, so here I am now. He starts talking about, like, ministry stuff, again, things that he probably shouldn't be talking about. Oh my god, he's ridiculous. This is maybe me being the most annoyed with Percy prior to the next couple books where he's the worst. And I actually think it's also the saddest. He is so desperate to be important. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've mentioned that before, but... Holy Jesus, is it annoying. And Harry does not have time for this shit. <laughs> so I hadn't really thought about this until just now. I, Harry is so desperate to not be important. Which is why it's an interesting combination. Also, if Crouch can't come, why does Percy have to be there in the first place? Right. Does Crouch need to be there to like oversee things and chaperone people? Because you know if he I mean, were there, he'd just be like crying. part of the Triwizard. Things happen, I guess. Like, what if he got coronavirus? just stay home you know so i don't know it's kind of weird that percy's there in the first place and i don't necessarily know if percy adds anything new to this either does he say anything i appreciate that he brings up things that keep stuff relevant for me the fact that we're actually being reminded of crouch missing of Bertha Jorkins missing. Mm-hmm. He says little things. That keep top of mind. And in the meantime, he's still very Percy, and you're just like, oh my fucking God, shut up. Before we get too far away from it, I do like the magical invention of the talking to the plate to that get That was the food. next thing I had written yes. down too! Yes! I love so that! Yes. Like, that's awesome. Can you imagine? That would be fucking amazing. Fuck DoorDash. <laughs> right? 
Pork chops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the visual of, like, the early version of that. Like, having to get really close to the plate and, like, talk really loud into the plate. And, like, <laughs> be like, hey, Alexa, turn on the light in the bedroom. And then she turns on all the lights. No, Alexa. Just the fucking bedroom. So you say fucking, I don't know, Chipotle, and it gives you Cadoba. Bitch. <laughs> I did not want the low rate version, <laughs> but it would still be amazing. Refill my wine, ho. <laughs> Done. That's the next level of like smart house shit. I want. I want smart plates. Yeah. Smart plates. So we did talk uh, already about like Fleur and Roger, and then of course Victor is talking a little bit about Dermstrang here too. I think Victor just seems like such a normal, cool guy. I talk a lot about how, like, the movies, like, change my perspective. And this is another instance where, in the movie, Victor does come off as kind of, like, just broody and uninteresting. Kind of, like, almost manipulated by Durmstrang, I think, too. Mm -hmm. Or Durmstrang slash Igor. He does seem so much more just, like, lively. Comes off more approachable. The coolness that they tried to do in the movie that missed for me is, like, in the book, he's approachable. He's just unimpressed with who he is. I do this thing. I'm yeah. good at it. Great. It's weird that you're all following me mm-hmm. and it'd be great if you stopped. Yeah. You know? So it's like he's unimpressed with himself enough to just be cool. And I think in the movie they messed that up. I think so too. And not even just that, but there's more to me than, oh, I'm this Quidditch player. Yeah. And it's almost a page out of Harry's book too. Yeah, Harry and Crom, I really like the parallel between the two of them. And I like that they can develop a kind of friendship. We never really get a real one between the two of them, but it's positive, I guess. That's the fan fiction request we have for this episode. (laughs) Crom and Harry... Who's writing it? Listeners, <laughs> come on. We have all these requests out to you. I know that there's other ones that I cannot recall. Somebody please write a Brokeback Mountain style story about Harry and Crown. Right? I think it'd be great. We already have the Trelawney McGonagall one out there. We just want gay versions of all these characters. <laughs> of everything. Yes. We've literally shipped Harry with every male yeah. character in this fucking yeah. series. And I mean, we already know that there's a lot of fan fiction out there that's Harry and Dobby. We have enough of that shit. So, come on. Let's get creative. <laughs> Parker off being like, don't talk about where Durmstrang is, Victor. Fucking lay off. Victor is being cool. Get out of here. There's also, the- like, are you just paying attention to what Victor says? Igor, instead of, like, enjoying the no, fucking... Igor is the fucking worst. We get to hear about Dumbledore finding... The chamber pots. The chamber pots, which we learn later is the room of requirement. Yeah. Makes yes. me so happy. There's also a good moment not to be overlooked of Sassy Harry. He doesn't actually say it, but his inclination when Percy is yammering is to be like, <laughs> but is he calling you by the right name? I yet? know! Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes! So yeah. You're going to oh ask God, if he he's stopped drop calling him Weatherby <laughs> yet. And I'm just like, yes, Harry. Oh, God. God, I love sassy Harry. Then the Weird Sisters come out. I'm very intrigued by the Weird Sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want there to be more, I want to learn more about music in the Wizarding World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does open up that idea of, like, the Wizarding World having their own brands of entertainers. For someone like me, that's, like, an endless possibility. Like, you could write more books yeah. just on that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And not just, like, musicians, but, like, actors mm-hmm. and the podcasters that they have. <laughs> yes. And whatnot. For real. Didn't we already talk about Celestino Warbeck? No, because that's the following book. It's the sixth book. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was something that came up during Lockhart or whatnot. Because that's the only other one that I could recall. Other than the Weird Sisters. Wizarding celebrities. 
are not just people who, you know, survive killing curses as infants. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Or write shitty books. Or write shitty books that they Uh, stole from someone else. The only other one that I can recall is that fierce, like, goblin bitch from Fantastic Beasts in the speakeasy. Oh, yeah. She's great. Yeah, they're drinking giggle water and she's got, like, six arms and shit. And she's singing. She sounds good. Other than that, those are the only ones. So, like, yeah, we need more of that, too. We got two fanfiction requests in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Is it time? To talk about Ron? Yeah. Yeah, because the next thing I have written down is fucking Ron, which is not something anybody's going to be doing tonight. First of all, I'm glad that the Patil twins do get to end up having a good time. Yes. Away from these dumbass boys from fucking Gryffindor. Ron and his inability to separate any... How he, Pop off, he, sis. Pop off. Come on. What I'm so annoyed by is the fact that he uses Harry as an excuse to be mad at Hermione. Yeah. You are mad that you didn't think of this. And you're gonna be like, oh, well, you, you need to be on Harry's side. You can't be with the enemy. But I was like, this is not about Harry. Do not put crumb in the middle. Oh, I get so mad at him. He is digging for any sort of excuse and to it, just be a fucking asshole. He can't admit what is setting him off because he knows he's an asshole. He knows, so he's got to use Victor and Harry as his excuse, and I hate that. I almost dig for, like, why is he even acting this way? Like, when we were watching the movie portion of this, I made the joke that he wishes that he could go to the ball with Victor Crumb. Yeah. But it's almost like he's not the center of attention. He isn't capable of following any kind of normal human guidelines (laughs) of enjoying this ball because all he wanted was a girl with her nose straight on her face and here we have Hermione who actually like got asked out in a normal kind of way Uh, we learn even that it was you know they were studying together and it came about sort of ordinary fashion it's actually really charming prom had seeked Hermione out and I'm even extra sad for her because she's embarrassed to share that as though (laughs) she doesn't deserve to have this lovely moment where the this, guy that everyone wants it's a meet asked cute. her. Yeah. I just, they have a meet cute. And, and I love it, but fucking Ron. Well, and that's like, it's further evidence of where Victor's coming from. Because mm-hmm. he chooses the girl that's unimpressed. Mm. Yeah. He chooses the girl that treats him like a normal person. It's such a good lesson for young readers to read. You can just be yourself. Someone will like that. I love that. Just be yourself, but shrink your teeth down if you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's possible. Hey, I'm, that's not a read on Hermione or anything. It's I love that too, but it truly is. Bringing Victor into it in the whole just, hey, I just want to be like normal kind of situation shows the great balance between the two of them. Well, and Victor is three years older than them, and mm-hmm. he is more mature, and he is an international Quidditch star, and while that's not what he's about... He's also probably more mature and more experienced than even the other 17-year-olds that they're at school with, you know? We don't get to know Victor very well, but he is definitely making all the right choices. I think he's approaching everything correctly. I think he's being a real adult student, you know, like seventh year students are adults at this point. I think that he did all of this right. I do too. The way that you say, you know, these 17 year old students are already so much more mature. I think there's something to be said about the difference between 14 and 17. Yeah. I always think about how college is such a important area of growth Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily have this in the wizarding world. At least we don't 
know that they do. I think once you do get up into those higher grade levels, that's where you start to see some of these characters become a lot more mature. Mm-hmm. All of the kids that came from the other schools were old enough to enter the tournament, so they're all 17. Mm-hmm. So that means that the boys from Bobaton who were hanging out with the Patil twins... Hello. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Time, you that's know. right. <laughs> Fuck Ron. Yeah. Let's get back to and, shitting and on Ron. Sorry. It's him trying to not take responsibility for his own actions. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like when he's seeing Hermione and he's sitting here with Padma and Parvati, I said this in the past, I always get kind of them confused with the Slytherin bitch. Pansy? Pansy. Pansy. It's, it's all the P names get me oh, confused. Yeah. But also, like, there was that moment where Hermione walks through and Pansy can't even say anything because she recognizes... Yeah, fuck yeah. you, Pansy. Yeah. Everything that's happening at the ball, I feel like Ron is realizing his his whole strategy to finding a date and everything and how it kind of blew up in his face. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is also, to an extent, why he is acting the way that he does. All he can do at this dig himself more into a hole. So then they go and take a walk. Oh, yes. And there's Romantic a lot of people book. fucking around in those bushes. Which sounds uncomfortable to, like, be in all the branches you, and stuff. You think it's uncomfortable? <laughs> Imagine being one of those fairies. Oh. They have to be decorations, and they have to watch all these teenagers making out. Right. But we get the little uh, Snape, Karkaroff Speaking stuff. of people making out. Right. <laughs> we got them. Snape, not to add fuel to your fire, Tara, but this is one instance where he's just being a dick for the sake of being a dick. It's like, oh, you guys can't make out out here? Fuck you, ten points from Ravenclaw. I really wanted to believe when I read this, he conjured the garden in the first place just so he could do this. <laughs> that's what... That's what my opinion of Snape made me believe. He put this here just to trick people into coming outside to make out so that he could get after them. And then Karkaroff is ruining his fun <laughs> by being like, this dark mark is coming. And he's like, shut, I'm busy here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to bust teenagers. And then when nobody's looking, Snape is like, ooh, does this feel good, Igor? <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting kind of way to bring up the kind of background story that is so important with the dark mark and, and all <laughs> like of that. Like important plot stuff. Yeah, yeah. In this very kind of just basic way. And then we see two other people making out and it's the big hose. Mm-hmm. This is very important, I think. It's both, so from, important. From both of their storylines. Just the fact that Ron and Harry overhear it and, and how they both clearly are like, we need to not overhear this. But it's one of those things where they just don't get a chance to not overhear it. Mm-hmm. It's like things that I don't want to know. Meanwhile, there is a beetle sitting there on the Fuck that beetle. fucking plant who is like, I would like to overhear this. Thank you. I understand where Madame Maxime is coming from. She's in a very important place of power. It's probably taken her a while to get up to that level of respect. Right. Oh my God, I'm sure. Um, and, and this is why respect is so important to her too. Having someone she clearly cares about. I think that it's worse when it's someone you are like starting to care about. Being like, let's put this on the table. And mm-hmm. having to come to terms with that in a situation where it was like, I was just cool with us not talking about this. You yeah. know, this scene always makes me sad. It's sad because... both of them. For both of them, exactly. I think some people would be so quick to be like, oh, Madame Maxine's being a bitch. But I don't think that that's it. I I don't think so either. Hagrid is being vulnerable, and it's unfortunate that Madame Maxine cannot be vulnerable either. But Madame Maxine is also at a different, (laughs) no pun intended, a different height than Hagrid is in her career. Well, and also, Hagrid's had a lot of strikes against him, and she is taking on that 
maybe coming into terms with how she feels about this guy as he's starting this conversation i think she knows where he's headed Mm -hmm. and she's just letting it happen because he hasn't said the wrong thing yet so she is hoping that perhaps that won't come out of his mouth and it will just be that we had this conversation and now we're more comfortable with each other but we didn't say it out loud and saying it out loud just makes it more real and more frustrating and you have hagrid who has been to azkaban expelled from hogwarts all this shit surrounding him and the headmistress at a very very highly regarded school it just yeah it's it's a crappy place for her to be in and i don't think she's being a bitch at all no i don't think so there's like this really cool parallel that can be made and it becomes very meaningful if you just change the scenario and make it a conversation between two men Mm -hmm. and one of them is too scared to come out yet and not ready for that conversation but can handle a conversation where we just imply that we both know about each other and we're fine with it that you can handle being asked to say it right now that would send someone off the deep end that is such a good parallel yeah yeah Yeah, there's so many levels to this conversation. From Hagrid's standpoint, too, he's dealt with a lot of stuff, and he finally finds somebody that he's similar to, Mm -hmm. and he just wants to be open about it, and unfortunately, that's not what's in the card. So at the same time, I'm just like, oh, man, we gotta find Hagrid a lady, or a man, or if he wants just a whole bunch of baby dragons... Let's find a whole bunch of baby dragons. For yeah. real. Because then, of course, we get into the next chapter, which is just like, oh my god. Poor fucking Hagrid. As much as I want to strangle Ron in this chapter, I do appreciate that Ron educates Harry about giants and the history of all of that. And how both Ron and Harry are like, Hagrid's like a big fucking teddy bear. What the hell? You know? I appreciate that a lot. It's a good allusion to like, some racial issues mm-hmm. where you have these long-standing prejudices based on perception, but then you know an exception to it. Yeah. And it's like, well, how can we believe that as a blanket statement when we have this example that's so not? Yeah. yeah. Of course, at the very end of this chapter, we get Cedric with egg hint, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I'm like, hey, yeah, you go, Cedric. I totally get Harry's frustration about it, though. He's like, yeah. I thought out fucking told him about dragons. He's like... Take a bath with an egg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, fair. But at the same time, you already have the hint as well, I guess. Right. I mean, I also don't know what else Cedric would have said. And maybe he was thinking people were listening. That's a good point, too. If people were listening, they'd probably be like, okay, what the fuck? (laughs) Also, that whole environment of everybody not even wanting Harry to be a part of it. The idea of him going out of his way to help him in public might be. Yeah, that's, that's true to i regardless cedric is such a gentleman yeah oh yes the one thing that i forgot to mention is we have the loser of this chapter in this chapter ludo bagman he is not the loser Uh, (laughs) i know there is a chapter for him not to lose this one there is this very brief moment where percy obviously is talking to ludo bagman that's where he brings up things like the fine carpet but there's of course the joke shop Mm-hmm. thing and Ludo just comes out and says it and this is why the twins have been kind of like following him along so that's an interesting plot point to p- bring up and worst of all and why Ludo Bagman loses this chapter is that he kisses McGuh's hand what made you think that you could do that <laughs> he's fucking Ludo Bagman I'm not surprised he did it at all that's nasty McGuh don't he strikes that. me as like somebody's like partially drunk uncle 
Yeah. Like, oh, that's I like just it. overly oh, affectionate. I'm, are yeah. we all Ludo Bagman? I'm Ludo Bagman. <laughs> I'm going to have a niece in uh, like a month. So I got to well, start now. Start I mean, I've been starting. I've been doing this for my entire life. Um, Fuck, Mary kill. No. We got to talk about this Damn last it. final moment. I'm always looking for like the good transition. <laughs> Did you not like read this chapter? The egg. The egg. Chapter. The egg. The Ron argument. and Hermione. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they fight and Ron is an asshole. I really appreciate how Harry is just like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Harry. But the end of the chapter where he likes speaking back on speaking terms with Ron, but it's very clear he is totally on Hermione's side. Yeah. I think he makes the right choice. Choose your battles. Don't yeah. insert yourself into that shit. Yeah, right. That's Especially you. You have a bunch of shit going on. Hermione did her best to not insert herself either. No. How it was written, you kind of get the sense that Harry knows that Ron's not ready to confront those feelings yet. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in saying anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like, we can all see you. We all know what Mm -hmm. you're thinking. It's a very loaded ending of a chapter. The whole chapter, there's so much that happens. But the ending is like, everything is kind of out there now. Mm-hmm. And then Harry's like, oh, fuck, I maybe should figure out this egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I have something oh, I need yeah. to do. That's right. I'm Harry Potter. I always have something else to worry about. <laughs> Let these hoes hash Can't it I out. Can I just fucking do my homework and think about girls? No. Oh, yeah, now he wants to do his homework. Right? <laughs> oh, you guys are fighting? Time for divination homework. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fuck me, kill for real. There were a lot of things in this chapter, so it was kind of difficult to kind of boil it down to three. So we're going to choose between couples this time. Okay. Kinky. All right. I feel like this is also going to be a very easy one. The three couples in this chapter are Victor and Hermione, Hagrid and Madame Maxime, and Igor and Snape. Guess who I'm going to kill? (laughs) Hermione and Victor. Get the fuck out. (laughs) Because I know that you're marrying Snape and... Keyboard. Yeah, after I murder them, no, fuck them. They can die. Oh, I thought she was saying that she was gonna <laughs> fuck them. No, also, why are they the third couple? Okay. Because! Wanted to make it interesting. Well, I mean, the, the easy answer of killing people is the two of them. Victor has been a part of this. I feel like Maxime has been a part of this. Oh, I'm gonna marry so. Hermione and Victor, obviously, and I'm <laughs> gonna fuck Hagrid and Maxime. That's gonna be a good time. <laughs> you like those big bitches. I'm a big bitch. Not as big as those bitches. <laughs> you might be a big bitch, but you're not a half giant. No, I am five foot three. <laughs> what about you? I am going to marry Hagrid and Maxine. I also think that would be fun. I think that they are wholesome. I think that they are both kind of experiencing something. So they could use, you know, a little bit extra love and stuff. And I'm going to fuck Victor and Hermione. Oh, and, oh I'm sorry. You're going to kill this other group that, of course, everyone is going to kill? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Steven. So I have the same answers as Adam. I really was hoping you were going to pull this loop on us and be like, I'm going to marry those motherfuckers in the garden. Now, here's my thing. My first inclination was to say that I would fuck Snape and Kargarov. But then I remembered Kargarov's teeth are yellow. (laughs) Do it. Can't do it. Uh, Yeah, he would give your dick gingivitis. (laughs) I'm going to marry Hagrid and Maxine. Because we are all three giants, and I don't have to worry about hurting anyone. <laughs> that is, is true. This is a fear I move through life with. Is you that might be five someone. foot three. He's like six foot three, so he's closer. And Victor, 
That'd be a funny thing. Victor would take care of you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hermione would also take care of you. There's such a good combination between Victor and Hermione, I think. Yeah. Uh, All right, now it's time for you to pop off. Tell us about these costumes. Oh my goodness. Okay, so one of my biggest issues with the entire series, world, etc. Ron constantly has horrible things that are like clothes or books or anything like that. There are no spells to just improve the appearance of something. And he does it in the book. Like, it gets fringy and stuff, but he gets, like, the lace off. I don't understand why they couldn't include that part, because literally it would be two seconds Mm -hmm. during the conversation Mm -hmm. that he already has with Harry about it, that he could, like, magic off that stupid bib. So that's the biggest thing for me, is it drives me crazy. Like, why couldn't you magic it to look better? I get a little disappointed with the female presenting characters in this chapter, in how they are portrayed in the movie. Because they are all described way more beautiful in the books than they present in the movie. Yeah, agreed. And little things like, Hermione's dress is gorgeous. Why couldn't it be the color that it was in the book? Right. Why can't it be blue? McGonagall is there, but she's wearing the same thing she wears to class. Mm -hmm. Why? Poor Padma and Parvati, they look like they're going to, like, a cousin's wedding. Mm -hmm. And they're wearing the same thing, and they're not in the book. Parvati is described so gorgeous mm-hmm. like with gold braided into her she is showing up for her mm-hmm. champion date yeah and then they choose this costume for her that's terrible it's like did they not have the budget in the movie well maybe they blew the budget on cho because cho did look cho does look fantastic. amazing god she looks good so good anytime there's like a shortcoming i do just want to be like they had to have all that lighting and yeah. to have filch run down the hallway <laughs> I'm just so mad about Phil's running down the hallway. Why? Why is Phil running down the hallway? Oh, and they had to get those birds out for the fucking Bobatons dance. Yes. They had to get a choreographer in. That cost some money. Oh, we need to have these hoes dance really fucking weird. Sorry, Hermione. You have to look less beautiful now. Early Disney vibes from the way that Padma and Parvati and Cho are dressed because they're all very stereotypically ethnic costume. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it's like, you don't have to do that like i like that you acknowledge their culture but like it was a little on the nose yeah i love the costuming of the weird sisters i would see that band uh, i, would same. I love yeah. their song yeah this, so good the song is great poor warwick davis they're like it, we're just gonna torture you with again this movie. <laughs> you like, uh you you now have to crowd surf because you are the only person small enough for us to do this too you like, got stabbed in the hand before <laughs> now he's done zero in this movie other than be abused he did conduct the yes little orchestra because he is a fucking rock star that's right he's yeah. the musical one obviously in terms of the chapter everything that is christmas before the ball completely cut right there's no dobby so it doesn't really make sense they didn't need to to have the fucking snowball fight in the movie they cut everything that happens in the garden yeah and then they do this weird fucking thing too where i do like the vision of the boys sitting with the twins everyone just looks fucking miserable and i'm like that is a very relatable scene then it's ruined by (laughs) i was like wait a minute when was friend george there Girl twins. The girl t- yeah. Sorry. The but then it's like ruined when Hermione comes in. They have her do that weird, like, princessy yeah. moment, which yeah. I hate. Yeah, like when Victor goes to get the drinks. She's like, oh, Victor's gotten drinks or whatever, and, like, everyone's being fucking grouchy. Although, 
Harry definitely some of the best facial acting. In yes. Mm-hmm. And so he'd just be like, stop it, Ron. I don't completely hate where she has that thing where she kind of puts her hands up. and she's She kind looks of like, beautiful, but... Uh, she's kind of like in the moment. Like she gets to have her like pretty moment and kind of show yeah. that like, oh, this is all about Hermione. And then right after it, it's her sitting down and it almost looks like she's like searching for the line, but I almost wonder if it's more the character of Hermione not being able to completely understand like, why are you being such a fucking asshole right now to Ron? I don't completely hate it, but it could have been more Hermione, I guess. I think that that's what it is because some of the acting in that whole chunk, some of it's really good and some of it's really Mm -hmm. forced. Mm -hmm. Also, why does Victor not get to be in that scene? There is one moment where you see I him coming back with his drinks, him, yeah, like, but he he doesn't get any lines. Yeah. And then, of course, the part that I hate the most is how it ends, where she's, like, screaming, Ronnie's well and everything, and she tells she, Harry like, to go to bed. Yeah, she's like, what's your problem? And Harry does not get a chance to respond. Never mind. You should go to bed. And then she, like, takes her shoes off and cries on the stage. <laughs> and Harry's yeah. like, the fuck did I do? <laughs> right? And I feel so bad for him. <laughs> One of the moments that I do like of the acting is when Padma is like, are you going to dance with me? And like just how Rupert Grint does respond with no. I know it's oh just like God. one word. It's so it's good though. Yeah. Good on him for acting like an asshole. Acting being the keyword there. Right. But yeah, it is overall just so awkward. It would have been nice to have some of the moments at the head table with Fleur and Roger Davies and a little bit more of Victor saying stuff. Victor. Just spending more time with the people at the head table, acknowledging these characters. Especially, one, you could have given another person some screen time. Roger Davies is a new character. We could have had Chris Rankin in this movie. Give me Percy Weasley. Dropping Chris Rankin into that scene where they're already miserable would have been hilarious. I know! Oh my god. It would almost be kind of awkward because they didn't have the head table Mm -hmm. for it to be like, oh, Percy's here all of a sudden. Let me like put some salt in the wound. You know, like that would have been kind of strange, but for like the effect that he would add, that would have been kind of cool. I do think it's a loss not having the scene between Maxine and It's Hagrid. a huge yeah. loss. Yeah. That's the biggest issue with like not I'm, having think, yeah. anything outside. Honestly, through this whole thing, we don't get this scene. We don't get any of the discussion about Karkaroff. He just disappears after this movie. After Hermione is like, get your ass in bed, he does have that dream about the dark mark and everything. Yeah. So that's almost like a little bit of a replacement of the Snape and Karkaroff it's moment. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. But, and then when he wakes up, Neville's like, I've been out getting lit all night. Oh, oh my god. Oh, Neville I do. I, bringing it home. Neville like, and Ginny. It's so awkward middle school dancing that they show yeah. between them. I'm like, it's just so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that part a lot. And I also appreciate that what Ginny is wearing is not nearly as nice as the other girls because we got to show that the Weasleys are poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she still looks nice. It also just shows, like, two friends having fun, which is lovely. I like that it shows that as an option for people. I remember when I was younger, that concept blew my mind. Oh, we can just go to this as friends Mm -hmm. and not have any of that weird stuff to worry about. Yeah. Because we're just hanging out as friends at this party. That's amazing. I know this is wrapping back to the book. Angelina dancing with, what was it, Fred or George? I can't remember. Fred. But, like, they're just described as not giving a fuck that anybody can see them. Mm -hmm. They're just going at it and having fun. 
It makes me love her even more. Angelina is always a good way to end a chapter, for sure. <laughs> for real. How did we do with the movie this time? Would you like to give it a grade? You look very matter-of-fact, like you're about to slam down. It would be a barely passing grade. It's a I solid would, D from me. I was going to give it a D, I think, too. I would give it a C-, minus, primarily because of the visual of the Great Hall. That is very that true. they hit real well. Oh, gorgeous. I agree. It, it made does it look great. Everybody wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those centerpieces on the tables look amazing. Mm-hmm. The hall somehow looks larger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very true. I would have loved to see the fairy garden, too. But Yes. All right, well, let's get into some points. There are tons of points because so much happens in this chapter. First of all, plus 50 to Hermione because she had her wonderful moment. She shrunk her teeth. This is a great chapter for Hermione, even though she ends it fighting with Ron and everything. Hermione was in the right. So plus 50 to Hermione. That's huge, Mm -hmm. I think, for... This early in the book, too. Plus 15 for Cedric, because he's a gentleman. He gives Harry the clue about the egg. Plus 10 to Victor, because he's also a gentleman, and he doesn't get enough credit. To Hagrid and Madame Maxine, because that was such an important conversation for both of them. And it shows a little bit of vulnerability on both of their ends. Even though Madame Maxine wasn't able to be vulnerable in that moment, it shines some great stuff on her character. Plus 10 to Dobby, because he got lots of socks now, even though some (laughs) of them are crusty. Plus five to the Weird Sisters, because they're cool, and I want to know more about them. Plus five to the Fat Lady, because she drunk on Christmas. <laughs> plus, and then plus five to Padman Parvati, because they got to deal with Ron's bullshit. Oh, my God. And Harry's bullshit, but Harry's got other stuff to worry about. Ron's the bullshit one. Speaking of bullshit, negative five to Percy, because Percy's there and he's annoying as fuck. <laughs> negative five to Fleur, because she's being French and annoying as usual. Ugh. Negative ten to Snape, because he's being an asshole as usual. And negative 50 to Ron. Yes. Ron, that was bad. He earned all of that. You are yeah. a dick. Next time, we're going to bitch more about Ron in chapter the 24. Rita Skeeter Scoop or something Rita like Skeeter that. Rita Skeeter Scoop. We're going to the fucking ice cream parlor in Diagon Alley. What's that place called? Uh, Florian, Florian Fortescue's. Fortescue's. And that's where Rita has a side job. <laughs> she scoops the ice cream. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> okay. I made the joke. I know when I said okay. I didn't think it was You looked terrible. offended like I was... <laughs> Saying that you made a joke it's that was terrible. my face. So yeah, it was good to have Stephen Yes, here. thank you, Stephen, for, for being me. here. Yes. so much fun, I love it. For being a not-asshole Ravenclaw. Oh, Yay! That's right. I managed to tone it down for a little while. You did it! <laughs> He's like, they're going to bitch about Ravenclaws. I should probably be nice. Yeah, I tried to be in my best behavior. All right, well, Bye. see all y'all next time. Make sure that you write us fan fiction. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. Basicsnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.